Hello, welcome back to another episode of the Leading Yourself podcast. This is Carolina de Arriba, and today I want to continue the saga of episodes that I started a couple of episodes ago. So we started talking about the things that might be hindering your performance, uh, the reasons why you're not performing at your best. Then in the previous episode, I went deeper into the topic of nutrition and the impact that nutrition has in us feeling and performing at our best. And since I took that derail, I thought I would stay here for one more episode. And today I want to talk about mental health, the importance of investing and being proactive in our mental health to help us feel and perform at our best. Welcome to the Leading Yourself podcast. This is your host, Carolina de Arriba. I'm an HR professional, health and fitness coach, wife, mom, and above all things, a goal getter. In this podcast, we're going to be digging into all things leadership, professional and career development, habits, and relationships. This is a podcast for those who want to become the best version of themselves. Those who have big dreams and are willing to embrace the journey and put in the work to achieve them. My goal is to share with you the tools, tips, and tricks to help you in your journey. So let's dig in into today's episode. I have to admit that until recently, I never thought about my mental health. I've been very fortunate um, that I've never suffered anxiety or depression or any other mental health challenges in my life. I really feel fortunate and grateful for that because I know that I'm probably part of the exception as more and more people today are struggling with these things. Even kids, the amount of kids that have ADHD is in a rise. So today, um, as I said, I want to talk about mental health. I, I started thinking about this topic not too long ago and really have tried to be very proactive about my mental health because I know there is a direct correlation between my mental health and the way that I feel and the way that I can show up as my best self. So if you, like me, never had struggle with mental health challenges, please don't stop listening because this is also for you. And if you are struggling with mental health, um, this is for you too. Um, this episode is going to be very neutral. I'm not going to go into any specifics of mental health in itself, but I really want to focus on how to be proactive about it and why it's important to be proactive about our mental health. So many of us have fitness goals, right? Uh, we have maybe a workout plan, a nutrition plan that we follow. Um, just like we don't necessarily wait until we have a physical condition or a challenge to start taking care of our body and our physical health, we shouldn't wait either until we have a mental challenge to start to focus on our mental health. Um, Just like our bodies need to rest and eat and move and exercise in order to get stronger, um, so does our mind. 
It's very important that we take proactive approach to taking care of our mental health. Um, and as I said, there is a direct correlation between our mental health and how we feel and how we perform, how we show up as our best self, how I show up in all the roles that we play in our lives. There is this quote from Jay Sherry that I really like and I think is very appropriate to the topic today. Jay Sherry um, is a former monk, a public speaker. I'm currently reading his first book, Think Like a Monk, so far really liking it. Um, but I, I wanted to bring up this quote because I think it really relates to the message I'm trying to convey here. And that is that just like we know how we want our bodies to look like, it's important that we have a clear vision on how we want our minds to feel. Um, and I really, really like this quote. And I think, as I said, is very appropriate to today's, um, episode. So, there are some things that I personally have started to be more intentional to protect my mental health, to invest in my mental health. Since COVID-19 started, we all were faced with a lot of uncertainty and stress and a lot of people start feeling anxiety for the first time of, or our recurrent anxiety. And I think that we, none of us, is exempt from stress. I think stress is just a component of daily life. We are all exposed to, to stress. And while we can't control that, I think that we live in a world that it would be impossible to eliminate stress. We're always going to be facing stress in different um, areas of our lives. Even when we're driving to work and we're sitting on traffic or because we're trying to homeschool our kids or we have issues at work or we have a deadline that is approaching and we're far behind where we were supposed to be. I mean, stress can be triggered by anything and everything. And we can control that. But we can get to a point where we control how we react to stress and how we manage stress. And I think that for me has been very important to realize that there are things that I can do to manage better my stress levels, to cope better with my stress levels, and to feel calm and in control. And it's all about investing in our mental health. So today, what I want to do is to share 15 things that I've started doing. And I have to start by saying that I did not start all these things at the same time. Like I introduced them one by one, maybe a couple at a time. Some I was already doing. I just never saw the connection with protecting or investing in my mental health. And now I see that clear connection. So as I go through some of these, think about which ones you might want to try. Um, even I would say this week, starting today, what are what is one thing that you want to try that can help you better manage your stress and be proactive about your mental health? So the first one is rest and sleep. Um, and I, they are together, but they're not the same kind of a thing. 
So I don't know if you listened to the podcast episode where I had Stacy Flowers as a special guest. Um, this is one area that has been really keen for her. And I learned a lot from that conversation with Stacy Flowers about rest. Um, she emphasizes how important rest is for our minds and for our bodies. And, you know, I've always been a go-getter and I think I will always be. It's just my nature is my, my DNA. I'm a type A personality and I'm always moving fast and trying to accomplish more than I can chew and all those things. Right. But, um, you know, when I was in my 20s, um, I could, when I was at college, I could stay awake all night studying or partying or whatever, and it was fine the next day. And I could drink coffee right before going to bed and sleep without any issues and um, never feel tired. And I think that as we grow up, um, and I am um, on the top end of my 30s, um, some things have changed, right? And I have come to realize that rest is very important, that if I don't rest and I don't rest well, then I'm not going to be able to perform at my best or feel at my best. So rest is super important. And rest doesn't mean doing nothing, what it means is slowing down and doing things that help you unwind. And we'll talk about that later. Um, but I really like one thing that Stacy shared on, on our conversation. Then she said that she has this practice that for every seven days, she takes one day of rest. Every seven weeks, she takes a week of rest. Every seven months, she takes a full month of rest. And she's planning that after seven years, she's going to take a full year of rest. And when I heard that from her without any context, I'm like, this is crazy. There's no way I can rest for seven days or seven months or seven years. Like, what in the world? But it doesn't mean that you stop doing everything that you're doing. It just means that you are recharging. You're using that time to recharge and you're intentional about slowing down and introducing things that help you unwind and recharge. Um, the second aspect of this is sleep. You know, I am very fortunate. I am, you know, I put my head in the pillow and I can fall asleep and sleep through the night. Um, I know that having sleep issues is the worst um, but for me, getting enough sleep, like for me, minimum, I have to get seven hours of sleep and every person is different. You know, typically recommendations are anywhere between six and eight hours per day, depending on your age. There are a lot of factors that influence what is the right amount of sleep for you. And I think one thing is the quantity of sleep and the other aspect is the quality of sleep. But when we are sleeping is when our bodies have a chance to rest and so our minds. And, you know, I am the kind of person that I'm most productive in the morning. And one reason for that is because it's right after my rest time at night when I'm sleeping and I'm, you know, I'm more fresh and I think, better. Um, so rest and getting enough sleep. The second thing is 
paying attention to your feelings. Um, as I said, this was, this is one thing actually that became very clear to me now during COVID uh, when we went in quarantine. And there were a lot of things happening around us that, of course, we didn't have control of. And I had all these feelings, mixed feelings, good feelings, bad feelings, in-between feelings. And it was too much, too many feelings. Um, and that is what I recognize that it's important to pay attention to those feelings, to really understand what exactly are we feeling in a particular situation and what triggers certain feelings, right? Um, so it's about self-awareness, being self-aware of our feelings and what trigger our feelings. That has, for me, been an important piece of mental health because if I am aware of how I'm feeling and what triggers those feelings, then I can do something about it. Um, I might not be able to be in control of the trigger, but I'm able to control how I react to that trigger if I understand how is that triggering me, if that makes sense. So, and I think when you feel in control, when you feel that you are aware and you can do something about how you're reacting to how you're feeling, then that helps your overall mental health. The next thing is to spend time with nature. Another thing that has been very much, you know, underlined during COVID times, we've been hostage in our houses. And, you know, we have been very diligent to follow all the recommendations. So we've been staying at home um, all the time. And we're working home and the kids are home and Spending time outside is so refreshing and so recharging, and it brings a level of calmness. And if you are able to connect with nature, that helps you lower your stress levels, calm down, be able to be more in tune with your emotions and your feelings once again. Um, number four is reduce screen time. I talked about this on, on a different episode when I was talking about productivity, but I think this also has an impact to mental health. Um, and this one has been tough for me, I have to be honest, because, you know, my phone was notifying me of all these things and I tend to be the person that reacts to those things. Um, so I had to quiet my phone, my notifications. Um, and I'm still working on reducing my, my screen time. Uh, I'm the kind of person that I'm checking my email every five minutes and, you know, what's going on and what do I need to do and um, checking my calendar to see what am I doing and next and where am I supposed to be and what are the kids supposed to be and do and so on. So reduce screen time. Very related to that is periodically audit your social media consumption. That one has been something that I've learned, not in it, but not so far along. But, you know, you start following all these accounts because, you know, you like something. Um, and a lot of times we don't realize the negative impact that that can have in our lives. We don't even notice it. But there were 
accounts in social media that I was following that were triggering certain feelings that were not the way that I wanted to be feeling. And this also not only applies for social media, but what you consume in general. Like when COVID started, for example, we were following the news like every 10 minutes trying to figure out what was going on and what's happening and what we need to do. And um, it got really overwhelming just checking just the numbers of cases really started to create stress. And I don't want to say anxiety, but I will describe it that way for a lack of a better word. And I stopped following the news. And if there was something that I really needed to know, someone will share with me. That was my that was my approach and that really helped me to reduce my stress levels. The next one is to spend time alone. Um, whether you are an introvert like me or an extrovert, I think that time alone is so important for our mental health. And when I talk about time alone, I'm talking about time to connect with yourself, not time to check the social media or to work, but time to focus on yourself, whether it's self-care, whether it's reading a book, learning something new, meditating, we'll talk about that later, Um, just connecting with your feelings, journaling. Um, I think having time alone where you don't have distractions and you can focus on yourself, for yourself, with yourself is very important for, for mental health as well. The next one is to develop deep relationships. We live in a world that we have, and I'm going to make air quotes here, you can't see me, hundreds or thousands of friends, right? In social media, how many friends do you have in Facebook or Instagram or LinkedIn? Some of these people you've never even met in person. And I think we have lost this deep relationships. You know, I think that the deepest relationships that I have outside of my family probably is with my friends from elementary school. I mean, we were together from elementary through high school, but um, those are probably the deepest relationships that I have. And I'm very grateful for those relationships. And I think that it's important that we have in our lives deep relationships because you know, the, we might have a lot of superficial relationships and when things are going well, um, when there's no stress, there's no challenges, um, you know, it can be an outlet. And, and I'm grateful for all my acquaintances and all my colleagues at work and, and all those things. Like I really enjoy those um, friendships, but I feel it's important to have those deeper relationships and investing in those deeper relationships and creating those deeper relationships, I feel is super important for our mental health. People that you can connect with, people that without saying a word, you can communicate with that person. People that when you need help, they're going to be there for you. Um, When you have a win, they're going to be there with you to celebrate. But when you have a challenge, they're also going to be there to help you. People that you can talk about anything, um, people that you have that so deep level of trust with. 
Um, and I think that we have moved as a society away from these deep relationships and we need more of those. So, um, you know, building new relationships, going deeper in existing relationships, that's a way to invest as well on our mental health. Um, the next one is breathe and meditate. I think they're two separate things. You can do one without doing the other. I guess you can meditate without breathing, uh, but you can breathe without meditating. And when I mean breathing, I mean like conscious, deep breathing. You know, I love my my iWatch, my Apple Watch, because um, when my heart rate goes up, um, it tells me, reminds me to breathe. So I like to use that in my Apple Watch. Um, when COVID started, I got a lot of those reminders. Now I'm in a place where I don't remember when was the last time that it told me to breathe. Um, but taking the time to breathe, and I talked about before time alone, this could be things that you can do in that time alone to just focus on your breathing, inhaling and exhaling a few times. I feel I like to do this after a new block of time. I talk about this as a productivity hack, but it also helps with mental health because it helps me to recalibrate, refocus, let go of stress during the day, um, and kind of take a break and lower my defenses down um, before the end of the day, kind of unwind in the middle of the day, and then meditate. I have to be honest, I always saw people meditating and I thought that's what monks do and um, not something that regular people do. Uh, I know that sounds terrible, but that's how I felt about meditation. I thought that was not for me. That was not for um, a person that is ambitious professionally and it's a mom and it's multitasking all the time and it's on the run and there's no time for meditation and it's not for me because that's for people that that's what they do. And I was very wrong. I started meditating recently and it is amazing how it helps with reducing stress levels um, with connecting with your feelings, with connecting with yourself. And I think it's a great way to invest in our mental health. So right now I, I started a 21-day unstress meditation program. I'm really enjoying it. I even on my home office, I designated a corner of my office where I put some pillows on the floor and I put a diffuser with essential oils, and I meditate for 10 to 12 minutes every morning as part of my morning routine. Sometimes I do it at night before going to bed. And I feel it helps me start the day with intention. It helps me start the day being more mindful, being more focused, and remain focused during the day. Um, it helps me reduce stress levels. And then when I do it at night, it helps me sleep better, have a better night rest, let go of all the things that are wandering in my mind. Um, and it's been an amazing practice. And it doesn't have to be long. As I said, I do it for 10 minutes. It's very simple. Like I've never meditated in my life and it's actually much easier than I thought it would be. 
the challenging part or the most challenging part is to let go of all the things that are in your head. So one thing that I like to do is a brain dump before I meditate, um, if I do it at night. So I pull a piece of paper, I write down all the things that are in my mind, kind of empty my mind that way, and then I meditate. In the mornings, I don't need to do that, but at night, I'm like, I haven't done this, I haven't done that, I need to do this, I need to call that person, and I need to make a doctor's appointment, and the kids need this for tomorrow. So it's easier for me to just write all those things down on a piece of paper. And that in itself is a way or a practice to support your mental health, to let go of things that are in your mind and do like a brain dump. And then I meditate and then I sleep. So uh, breathe and meditation. The next one is to know what helps you unwind and relax for real, like you know, there are things that in the surface we think help us unstress and relax, but they really don't. So, and I think we are all different. Um, so finding what works for you, what are those things that really help you unwind and relax? Maybe is um, taking a bath. Maybe is going for a walk. Maybe is listening to music. Maybe is to meditate. Maybe is to journal. Uh, there's so many things and outlets that can help you unwind and relax. And it's important that you identify what are the ones that really, really, like really help you unwind and relax. The next thing is to limit caffeine and alcohol intake. Um, I share earlier than when I was in my 20s, when I was in college, like I would drink coffee very late at night um, and that granted I could sleep. Then when I had my first child, I stopped drinking coffee and since then I am just not able to drink coffee after a certain hour. And I think a lot of times we go to coffee as a source of energy. Many people, that's the first thing they do in the morning. They need their coffee for a boost of energy. And while caffeine can provide a temporary boost of energy, typically has the opposite impact longer, longer term in that same day. So later in the day, right? So you can become dependent to caffeine. And I think that it's better to find our energy elsewhere. Um, I'm still love coffee and I will not give up coffee for nothing in the world. Um, but I limit the amount of coffee that I drink. Um, there are weeks that I don't drink coffee throughout the week and it's my treat on the weekends um, and something to look forward to. So depending what I have going on on my day, um, what's going on in that week, then I decide if, if I can drink a cup of coffee or not. And I think how much coffee to drink, when to drink coffee, all those things, that's something that you need to learn how your body reacts to caffeine. Um, but for me, for years, caffeine was having a negative impact um, and I was just not aware. You know, I thought, I blame many other things, but the last thing I would blame was my coffee. I mean, come on, it's my coffee. I love coffee. But the truth is that um, once I stopped drinking caffeine for a few days and after I got over the caffeine hangover and, and the headaches, um, I really saw the difference. So it's something while 
worth exploring. And then, of course, our alcoholic beverages. What can I say about that? Um, You know, I enjoy a glass of wine here and there for a special occasion, but I think that um, just like caffeine, alcohol also can have a negative impact to our overall health and specifically to our mental health. The next thing is to get rid of perfectionism. Yes, I talked about this in other episodes in the past, but, you know, trying to be perfect generates an unnecessary level of stress and a stress that never goes away because the reality is that we'll never reach perfection. So it's a vicious circle that never ends. And being okay with being okay with 80% good quality work, it's hard when you are a perfectionist. Um, It took me years to get to that point. And now that I'm there, I really realized how harmful I was to be a perfectionist. So I am a perfectionist in recovery, as they would say, and I'm not going back there because uh, my mind is so much free and I, I don't know, the level of stress, it, it's, it's not worth it. The next thing, also something that I struggled for many years is stop multitasking. I was a multitasker for years. Like there was this debate and there's always been, and there will always be about yes or no to multitasking. And for many years, I was a person that would raise my hand and debate and push back to say, yes, you can multitask. I multitask all the time. The truth is, it is not true. Uh, We don't multitask. We just switch from one task to the other. And it's so fast that we don't feel those switches. We feel that we're doing everything at the same time. Now, that being said, if you have built strong habits, it is possible to multitask with things that you're doing autopilot combined with other things. Like I can be paying attention to a phone call while I put my um, I make my coffee because I can put I can make my coffee while I'm sleeping. It's that autopilot that I can do it without with my eyes closed, sleeping, whatever. So if you have things like that, like brushing your teeth, you know, turn the coffee maker, things like that, probably you can combine with other tasks. But when I'm talking about multitasking, I'm talking about tasks that require you to focus, that require you to think, to use your brain. Um, And it's not possible to multitask. It has been scientifically proven. And I know that me saying that it has been scientifically proven will not convince you differently if you believe that you are a multitasker. Because I was there and I read all the statistics and I read all the scientific studies and I still believe that I could multitask. But I'm a, I am so much more productive. I have so much less stress. The quality of my work is so much better. I feel so much calm and focus and in control when I focus one thing at a time. And I will make a a podcast episode soon just on that topic because I think that, um, you know, like I am a perfectionist 
in recovery. I'm a multitasker in recovery. And there's so much that I've learned about multitasking that I think will be worth doing a, a full episode just on that topic. The next one, one thing that I really enjoy, um, I never did in the past, but I, I have in the last two years is exercising. When you move your body, you change your mood, you you change your mind. And um, I work out six days or seven days a week, every week. And I do it in the morning as part of my morning routine. And if there is a day that I don't exercise, I feel it during the day. I feel it in my level of energy. I feel it in my level of stress. I feel it in my ability to focus. I just feel it. And when I'm worried, when I'm stressed, I will tell you that during COVID, at the beginning of COVID, when I was so stressed and starting to show symptoms of anxiety, um, working out is what saved me. Working out is what allowed me to break through that. Um, And I can't repeat enough the importance of moving our bodies for many reasons, but mental health is one of them. And when I say exercising doesn't have to be like a high intensity workout, it could be going on a walk or a bike ride or swim or, you know, practice a sport of your preference, just move your body. Um, Sometimes, um, you know, after lunch, um, I feel it's hard to focus or concentrate or my energy is low. And during this time, since we are here home um, and I have a four-year-old with me, we turn on the music and we dance it out. And that I consider exercise. I consider movement. And it really helps me to, you know, feel more energized and change my mood. And it's unbelievable how, like, Three minutes, five minutes of doing that can really change my state of mind at that particular point in time. And now the very last one, number 15. Um, This time I'd avoid counting them because I've lost count before and I didn't that to be want to be the case this time. But now since it's the last one, I know it's number 15 is practice forgiveness. Forgiveness to yourself and forgiveness to others around you. One of the things that really can negatively impact our state of mind and uh, our mental health is carrying that weight um, of guilt. Or um, So I think it's important to forgive ourselves, to have grace with ourselves, um, You know, as I said, I am a reformed perfectionist, so I would do that all the time. I will guilt myself all the time because things were not perfect. And allowing myself to have grace and forgive myself was vital to let go of perfectionism. And I think that that doesn't only apply for perfectionism, but in everything that we do every day. You know, there are days that Um, I'm working from home, my kids are home, and I feel like, yes, we are 24 hours together now um, in the same space, but I'm not paying them the attention they need. 
and I feel guilty and I feel I'm a bad mom and I feel I'm a failure. And being able to have grace with myself and forgive myself for those things and acknowledge that that is not that I'm a bad mom or that I'm a failure. It's just that that's life. And there are days that we do great at certain things and there are days that we struggle with other things and allowing ourselves to acknowledge how we're feeling and letting that go and give ourselves grace and forgive ourselves, but also forgive others, right? Everyone is stressed and tense and a lot of times uh, people have their best intentions, but we perceive their best intentions as something wrong or negative and be able to put yourselves in the other person's shoes and allow to yourself to give others grace as well as you do for yourself and forgive them is key because if you carry that weight with you um, after a while it gets too heavy and that can really have a negative impact in the way that you feel, in the way that you perform. It can have a negative impact in your relationship with that person and ultimately in your mental health. So once again, those are some things that I have been actively and proactively working on to protect my mental health, to invest in my mental health that have allowed me to feel at my best, to give the best of me, um, even in the middle of challenging times. And as I said, for me, mental health was always a taboo. And I thought that was something that you don't talk about unless you are facing a challenge. Um, But I realized that this is a topic that pertains to all of us, whether you have had anxiety or depression or any other mental health challenges, or you've been fortunate not to be exposed to any of those things. And if we want to, once again, feel our best, perform at our best, be the best versions of ourselves, we need to protect our mental health. Okay, I hope that you liked today's episode. Um, I hope that something today resonated with you and I hope it inspires you to try one or the other thing um, during this week. Once again, don't try to do everything at at once, but just pick one thing that you might want to try this week to protect your mental health. And with that, as always, I'm going to ask you to please share this episode with someone in your life that you think can benefit from today's content. And please don't forget to go to iTunes, Apple Podcasts, leave me a review and subscribe so you can get notifications of new episodes. And with that, I hope you have an amazing day and I will talk to you again on another episode of the Leading Yourself podcast. Twenty twenty has been a challenging year. When the year started, I told to myself that this was going to be the best year of my life. The truth is, it's been challenging. If you have been challenged too, if you are struggling to find your purpose, if you're struggling to make sense of the world as you knew it, if you're struggling to find success and 
Maybe you, like me, are a goal getter, but you fall off your goals and you don't seem to be able to get back on track. I want to invite you to the five day living your best life challenge. During five days, we're going to be talking about topics like mindset, how to hack your brain to stay on a positive state, how to pivot, work life balance, health, and many other topics to help us end 2020 strong and start 2021 even stronger on our path to live our best lives. So go to the link in the description of this podcast episode to sign up for free today.